Number four in a row for Novak Djokovic. He defeats Nick Kyrgios in the Wimbledon final to claim his fourth straight Wimbledon um, championship, 21st Grand Slam. Congratulations to Djokovic. Incredible match. Shout out to Nick Kyrgios too, who put up a great fight. Took the first set, was in most of the sets. Um, only got broken twice. Both of them played really, really good. We'll break that down, but congratulations to Djokovic and shout out to Nick Kyrgios for putting up a competitive match against, you know, one of the GOATs. Also, Damian Lillard re-signs with the Portland Trailblazers for two years, $120 million plus. Huge contract for Damian Lillard. He stays with the Blazers. We'll see if they're able to, you know, put the pieces around him to make them a competitive team. But Lillard, as he's shown time and time again, he is loyal. He's going to stay with the Trailblazers pretty much to his career. He's now tied up with them till the age 37. And DeAndre Ayton signed with the Pacers, but the Suns did match the offer sheet. So he will be staying with the Suns, at least for the foreseeable future. He can't get traded till pretty much January 15th. So at least till January 15th, DeAndre Ayton is the Sun, and the Suns match that offer. All of that on this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. Novak Djokovic defeats Nick Kyrgios in four sets to claim his 24th Grand Slam. Shout out to Djokovic for, you know, putting on a dominant performance. Uh, Nick Kyrgios took the first set 6-4. And although Nick Kyrgios was playing really, really good, um, he only got broken, I believe, twice in the whole match. Um, he held the serve for the most part in all his games. Um, jo- Djokovic just looked like he was in control of the whole game. Yeah, Nick Kyrgios didn't look like he was getting dominated out there. It didn't look like he didn't belong against Djokovic. He could clearly play. He You could clearly see why Nick Kyrgios was in the final. He had 30 aces in the game. Um, they, ma- they had the same amount of double faults. But Novak Djokovic was just on another level. Uh, his return is exceptional. Although Nick Kyrgios was hitting ace after ace after ace, you never it never looked like Djokovic got upset, got worried. Um, he was just he was just there, calm as ever. Um, returning, honestly, the way Nick Kyrgios was serving, he probably could have had more than thirty aces. He like the performance that he had, probably probably up in the forties, maybe even forty fives. There was like at least fifteen serves that sh- would have been aces on anybody else. But because it's Novak Djokovic, probably the greatest returner of all time, um, they were not aces or unreturned serves. They were just, you know, put back into play. And it was frustrating. One of the one of the announcers of when I was watching the game basically said that um, it was a point that Nick Kyrgios won and Djokovic lost. But Nick Kyrgios could have won that point like three times before he actually won it. And the announcers put it perfectly. They were like... That's that type of point is the type of point that wins Djokovic matches because although Nick Kyrgios won that point, he had to work for it super super hard and to have to work for a to have to work for a point that hard every single time or numerous times it puts this puts like an immense pressure on your opponent that they know that you know they probably think they hit a winner they think you know I, I'm gonna go back to the service lines it's it's time to you know serve again because this is a winner. And Djokovic is just being an octopus back there, just contorting his body in all types of crazy ways, 
just to get the return. And then you're like, all right, he's completely pushed out of the court. You know, I should be able to finish it now. And he just comes back and returns it again. And he has like one of the best defensive lobs I've ever seen where he barely gets to the ball, but he puts like a beautiful spin on it, beautiful lob that just stays in court. And now he's able to recover and get into a good defensive position again. It's incredible. It's incredible what Novak can do. It's just incredible. Like, not not enough could be said about how good this guy is. And, like, we'll see what happens in the future. Uh, Novak Djokovic is still not allowed in the U.S., so we'll see if he plays in the U.S. Open. There's still about um, two months, August and September, um, like, less than two months for Novak to get um, permission to play in the U.S. Open. I think he just submitted, uh, like, a visa or something to get... Um, allowed into the u.s we'll see how that goes for nick curios i do believe he's going to play the u.s open he's good on hard courts too um and i do think he's going to do the u.s swing and the warm-ups to the u.s open so i'm i'm curious to see how he follows up wimbledon uh, i just saw his instagram today and he is in the bahamas but he it does look like he's working out he's putting in the work um and hopefully this type of run that he had in wimbledon sparks a fire in nick curios and we see it doesn't. I don't feel like Nick Kyrgios is going to be that type of player that plays into like his late, his mid, even like not just his late thirties, but even his mid thirties. Like I could see Nick Kyrgios retiring, like when he hits thirty, thirty one. So he's twenty seven right now. Hopefully, this fire ignites Nick Kyrgios to go at it at least for like a year or two more, really hard, and see what he could do. Uh, but for now, it at least will fire him to the end of the year. I'm hoping. I think we're going to see a good version of Nick Kyrgios during the U.S. Open swing, during the Asian Tour swing, and hopefully going into um, the ATP finals where he should be able to compete for doubles at the very least with Kokonakis. And you never know the um, the way he's playing. He might even be able to participate in the ATP finals as a singles player. But overall, I think it was a great final. Um, obviously... As most people would have liked to see, um, we would have liked to see Djokovic versus Nadal renew their rivalry at Wimbledon in center court, in that historic center court. It would have been amazing. I was I was already, you know, salivating at the idea of that. Unfortunately, Nadal had to pull out. But this this was an exceptional match, too. I think uh, everybody that was at center court and everybody that tuned in um was satisfied with the with what we saw on TV. I know a, a lot of players were watching um, afterwards. Novak Djokovic got praise from the likes of Luka Doncic, and Nick Kyrgios got praise from Giannis Antetokounmpo. So, you know, the world was watching. I was watching. Hopefully, you guys were watching. It was a great match. Like I said, shout out to Nick Kyrgios for putting on a good a good battle against Djokovic, and uh, they had a little bro moment at the end. It was nice to see just. It's crazy how time time can change anything. Time can heal everything because Djokovic and Kyrgios were once heated rivals that, you know, you would think is the last two people that would be complimenting each other. And at the end, they had a good um, warm wars for each other. And it looked like they're buddies now, so that's great. Uh, I think both of them are great for the tennis community. I know a lot of people have, you know, um, their different opinions about Djokovic and how he um, carries himself and being unvaccinated um obviously there's some th- there's some things that you know could be debated like a lot of people are saying that um you know that picture that press conference that he had um right before he caught covid um 
before the Australian Open. Like that's very questionable a decision that he made. We could we could debate all that, but overall, obviously, Djokovic is good for the, the sport. He's he's one of the goats. He's amazing for the sport. Nick Kyrgios, as volatile as he is, as as crazy as he could be sometimes, um, I think he's good for the sport too. Uh, he, his his uh, different play style. Um, he brings some of the characteristic of, of other sports into tennis, so I think that's good too. Obviously, this is I'm speaking straight tennis. If if obviously there's other stuff outside of sports that still have to get figured out, so we see we'll see how that sorts itself out. But strictly tennis, these guys are both amazing, and uh, hopefully Djokovic gets an exemption for the U.S. and we are able to see him there. And the doll heals and Kyrgios comes with form. That would be amazing, but. What a way to wrap up Wimbledon 2022. It was an amazing tournament despite all the drama leading up to it, all the drama inside inside of um, the tournament, during the tournament. It was a great tournament. Damian Lillard signs a two-year $122 million extension with the Portland Trailblazers. This also has a player option in the 2026-2027 season. So realistically, he could be a free agent at the age of 36 or the age of 37, which would be pretty up there in age. So assuming he doesn't um, request a trade, this pretty much means Damian Lillard is going to play for one team his whole career. And it also pretty much means, unfortunately, for Trailblazer fans out there, that he's not ever going to win a ring. He's going to go down as one of the people, one of the players in the NBA history that had the most talent, one of the greats that never won an NBA championship. And it's it's kind of sad, but it's also kind of cool. Like, in the age where Adam Silver is talking about players not finishing out their contract, where, you know, he's talking about something has to be done for players to, you know, see out their contracts. Damian Lillard is, you know, putting his foot down and saying, you know, I, I, I can't run away from the from the grind. I don't want to, you know, go to another team. It's not going to bring the same type of satisfaction to me. If I go to another team and win a ring, I know if I stay here with the Blazers and don't run away from the grind when eventually I get that ring is going to feel that much more amazing with the trailblazers. So obviously there's two sides to every coin being loyal to your team, honoring the contracts that you signed, staying loyal, seeing out your contracts, playing for one team. It's all great. Like obviously everyone would like to be like a Tim Duncan or, or, or Kobe where they just play for one team. They bring success five rings they never leave anywhere team just keeps rebuilding around you um maybe you go through hiatus like kobe did a couple years they finally get you a number two you're able to win again and then you age and you you know go off into the sunset or the tim duncan you know you're just consistently great your whole career you're always a contender and you sprinkle a championship every five years you have a 20-year career and it's amazing and you're one of the goats, but it's not always like that, you know. Um, Dirk Nowitzki, he played for the Mavericks all his career. He only won one championship, and he could have easily walked away with zero if that Miami team had more, you know, a, a more mature LeBron, a, a LeBron that could understand the big moments. It, I guess it did take that for LeBron to really like wake up and uh, assert himself as a dominant player in the clutch, but. You could there's a de- there's definitely a you know like a multiverse or a scenario where Dirk Nowitzki doesn't get a ring with the Mavs and he kind of has the same scenario that that Lillard's living through. You know, he's one of the greats, unguardable fadeaway 
one of the best big men ever and he doesn't have a ring. There's definitely a scenario where that happens. Thankfully for him, he won one and it's one of the better rings out there defeating the big three in the Miami Heat. But like I said, it just, it, it's, it sucks. Like, cause I would, as, as growing up, I would want my players to just stick it out with, with my teams. Like whenever someone left the Lakers or the Chargers or like in soccer, like if someone left the Club America or they left, um, Real Madrid or something like that, it, it hurt. Obviously it hurt. And even if it meant going to greener pastures, if it was a step up in the career, I was happy to see them. Obviously with the Lakers and like with, the Chargers, it's kind of hard. It's harder to be happy for them because they're going with to a team within your league. But like Club America for soccer, that's a team in Mexico. So sometimes they would leave to go play in Europe, and you're happy. You're like, yes, you finally get you got your chance to go play in Europe. This is gonna help your career. But you're also like, damn, I wish you stayed with America and just had you know you played here your whole your whole career. So I could see why it's like. If I'm a Trailblazers fan, I'm pumped up. I'm, he's my favorite player. He's probably the best player in franchise history. He's definitely the best player in franchise history. He's top 75 player of all time. He's going to be here until he's 36. Um, if you're around my age, you probably... Uh, I'm 27. He came into the league uh, like 10 years ago. So I was seven. He Your whole adult life, he's been you know the best player on your team. You've seen Lillard grow up right as you've grown up. There's a certain attachment you have to them. And like as Damian Litter has also stated that he doesn't want to move his kids. Like it's important for them to have stability, to not lose friends, to stay in the same school system. That's all great. So with that being said, like it's it sucks that the Trailblazers have not proved that they could put a team around him that could compete. Even when they made the Western Conference final against the Warriors, Warriors that were struggling with injuries. Obviously, it was the like undefeatable, undefeatable, indestructible Warriors with KD, but it's still you never really thought that the Trailblazers had a chance to win the title, even if they made it to the finals. You never thought that they had a chance against like LeBron if they did make it to the finals. Like it was never like, like from what I remember, um, yeah, it was never like damn the Trailblazers are so close to winning a championship. It was like, yeah, you're gonna get mollywhopped by the Warriors, and if you don't then the Cavaliers are probably going to beat you guys. But I do see how people would want him to go to another team to be a contender, like Kevin Garnett. You know, he gave it his all for Minnesota. He tried to stay there as long as he could. And at a certain point, it was like enough. Like, I got to worry about me. Like, I want to win the ring before I retire. I don't think Lillard is going to do that. Like, if he was going to do that, I think he would see out this contract um, or not even ask for an extension. Like, he still has three years on his current deal. Um, and if, if he would have just waited out this deal, he would have been 34 years old, thirty going into his 35-age um, season when he this current deal ends. So I think, like, he kind of seen it. Like, I don't want to ask for a trade. And if I ask for an ex- if I just see this contract out, I'm going to be 35, which is kind of late especially for a small, undersized point guard. I know he could shoot from anywhere, but still, 35 years old, to be a free agent, to go somewhere, I think that might have something to do with his decision. Like, if if this was his final year, like, if he's 32 and this is his final year and he goes and he lives out this contract and he's able to just be a free agent, then he might not resign. 
But the simple fact that he's tied up to his age 34 season, I don't think Damian Lillard is the guy to ask for a trade, especially with how he's talked. So I think he's like, I'm, I'm already going to be here to 34. Might as well just wrap it up, be here till 36 and call it a day, call it a career. I'll be one of the greats. I'm already top 75. Um, and hopefully this new management, um, second year with the, with the new head coach, they're able to turn it around. But what do you guys think? Like, should he have asked for a trade? Should he have gone? Has that window shipped? Can Lillard still be an influential player on a contending team? Like last year he was, he was hurt. It wasn't his best year. Um, we'll see how he does this year. They've made some moves, but I don't think any of the moves they've made really move the needle. Really, you're not thinking about the Trailblazers contending, um, they might not even make the playoffs again. Like, it's a tough spot for Lillard, but I could definitely respect what he's done. I know there's people that are like, who cares about staying with the same team? Like, bro, just ask for a trade. Get out of there. Go compete. And I get it. Like, that would be amazing for people that cover the sports and just regular NBA fans. Like, if Lillard teams up with Antetokounmpo, boom, that's am- that's that's amazing. But, you know... I feel I feel for Lillard. I feel for the connection that he has with the fans um, and all that good stuff. So I don't blame him. Uh, if anything, I give him props for just seeing it out, seeing it through. And we'll see um, if he regrets it because, you know, usually when people regret it, it'll, it'll come out. Like, he'll get interviewed 10 years after his career is over, maybe not even that long, five, five years after his career is over, and he'll be like, damn, like, I should have gone – I should have gone in 2020 when I had a chance. I should have asked for a trade that that crazy offseason of 2022. I should have asked. Uh, there was, there's definitely possibilities. or You know, something's going to come out if he regrets it. If he's f- fully content with this decision, then for the most part, you just never hear anything. But we'll see We'll see what happens. But overall, I think Lillard, he's, he's seen it through, and he's a man of his word. He said he's not going to run from the grind, and it appears that he's not. And I know Trailblazer fans are stoked, and I know NBA fans, neutral fans, kind of are disappointed because he doesn't get the media coverage that he should get with the Blazers, and it would be great to see him with another team. It, it doesn't matter if he goes to, like, a big market team. He could go to Milwaukee with Giannis, and that would be, like, amazing. But it is what it is. And to wrap it up, DeAndre Ayton will be staying with the Phoenix Suns this offseason the Suns matched his four-year 133 million dollar offer sheet from the Indiana Pacers which means at the very least he's guaranteed to stay with the Suns till January 15th at that point they should be able to trade him to another team if they so choose to what does this mean it kind of means that the Phoenix Suns should kiss goodbye to KD this this offseason keeping DeAndre Ayton with the rookie extension just kind of blocks all the trades that could happen with the Nets, especially because they can't move them to January 15th. If they did, um, they would have to, uh, even in January 15th, it'll be hard because they got to move Simmons because he's on a rookie extension too. But now with DeAndre Ayton not being movable, it kind of like messes up the chips that the Suns have to acquire KD. So I think one of the dominoes from this trade is I really do feel now that KD is going to stay with the with the um, with the Nets at least till January fifteenth or at least till the season starts. Um, the Suns were one of the contenders; they were at the top of the list for KD. At least that's what reports were. So with the Suns kind of out of the run now, with them keeping 
DeAndre Ayton, it seems like KD might be staying put. And for the Suns, like, it's tricky. Like, DeAndre Ayton, number one overall pick, still has a lot of potential, but he needs to develop a little more. You got Booker, who, you know, we're still finding out if he could be a number one or a number two. Obviously, they weren't, they had an upswing at the beginning of the bubble, but it wasn't till Chris Paul came there that you really saw the Suns take that leap, take that giant leap into, you know, being a contender, being a team that's going to challenge the, in the West for that number one seed. So is it Chris Paul? Is it Booker? I'm not denying Booker being an extreme talent. He could score from anywhere. He could get hot. When he gets hot, he's top three in, in the NBA as at scoring buckets. Like, he makes tough shots. He makes tough shots look easy. He's He's definitely, like, an amazing talent. But does he have enough talent to be a number one? Um, as Chris Paul ages, as his level declines, as he probably is going to lose a little locker room influence the with his skills diminishing too, will Booker be able to step up and be that number one? And is DeAndre Ayton going to you know step up too and be able to take a little bit off the load as Chris Paul you know eventually father time is undefeated? So we'll see how how long Chris Paul is able to keep it going. What I'm trying to say is, like, are we going to see Aiden develop? Are we going to see him kind of be a little salty towards the Suns for not giving him that extension, for not really extending that super max or that five-year extension that they could have offered him? Like, what's going to happen? It's very interesting. What's going to, like, like when horses, what's going to happen? What's happening in Phoenix? Like, what's going to happen? Like, is Aiden, is he going to get over his... Is he going to be a little salty about the Suns not giving him five years and just willingly giving it to him, having to let another team offer him an uh, extension for them to match it? Um, there's rumors that Monty Williams and Aiton had, you know, they were butting heads. Are they going to get be able to get over it? Are they going to be able to get over the disastrous way they got um, eliminated in the playoffs by the Mavs? What's going to happen? Interesting. And it's crazy because the Suns were... Probably one of the happiest teams going into the playoffs. All these videos of them working out after losses in their gym and opponents' gyms, like just dancing before games, doing all this stuff that made you think, like, damn, the Suns are here. The Suns are here to stay. They're gonna. They're building a great culture, even as Chris Paul obviously starts declining or retires. Like this culture shift that we're seeing is gonna carry. For at least you know the foreseeable future, as, at least to, um, as long as Monty and Booker are here, and then they got destroyed by the Mavs and got you know sent home embarrassingly from the playoffs, and they have you know this friction with DeAndre Ayton, and other teams are getting good in the West, and you're just like, was that it? Was that the window for the Suns? Like, did they mess it up? They should they have won it against Milwaukee, and then because they didn't like. That's it. Like last year, they were the number one seed, 60-plus um, win season. Were those two years the window for the Suns, or can they can they run it back? Can Ian um, and the Suns fix that relationship? Can Monty and Ian fix that relationship? Um, can Chris Paul stay at that level for a couple more years? Can Booker, you know, continue to grow, continue to um, develop as a player? Like, it's very interesting. Um where I stand on this, I think I don't think DeAndre Ayton and the Suns are gonna fix this butting of heads that they had. I think um, 
somewhere along this season or next season, somewhere along the line, he's not going to see this contract out. He's going to get traded and they're going to split ways. And we'll see if it's KD in January 15th or somewhere after that. But I, honestly, I don't, I don't see it um, solving itself. And just, I don't see a happy marriage between Aiden and the Suns going forward. I think it's been very public, very ruptured. Um, they should have offered him a sheet, a contract. They didn't. I think players at that level, very prideful. Even, like, I'm prideful. And I'm just, I'm not in the NBA. I'm not one of the best, you know, whatever, however many players there is, like two, 300 players in the world. Like, I know these players are prideful, and I think Aiton is going to be super prideful, and he's not hes not going to be, like, uh, completely happy till he's in a different situation, till he feels that he's loved, like the team really, really wants him. But that's just my two cents. Let me know if there's any Suns fans, you know, listening to this, watching this. Like, what do you guys think? Is this fixable? Like, are the Suns contenders? Let me know. But that should do it for this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, drop them below. I have my Twitter handle and all that good stuff. Have a great rest of your day. Peace.